0: Thank you for downloading the Beacon Church podcast. We hope that you enjoy today's message and that you find that God speaks to you through it. Okay, so I... I'm on Elwin, aren't I? So we've been doing a series in the parables, and... This week, uh, we are looking at the parable of the pearl of great price. And um, so we've called this series The Power of the Parables. And there's this phrase, and it's repeated on a number of occasions. And Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven is like. And what we're trying to do is unpack. And understand the parables because as we do that we begin to understand something of the kingdom of God and we begin to understand something of what God is like and that's quite important for us so today's parable is the parable of the pearl of great price I'm just going to give you a story which I hope relates um, in the end Uh, how many of you have ever seen the film Brewster's Millions just put your hands up if you've ever seen Bruce's Millions... OK, my family. So that might say something about... Say something about us. OK, so Bruce's Millions... It's an old film. Um, well, I say old. It's probably 80s. Richard Pryor is in it. And what happens is... Richard Pryor is visited... And he's told he has 30 days... To spend $30 million. And if he manages to spend $30 million in 30 days he will inherit $300 million. But by the 30th day, he is not allowed to own anything. He's only allowed to give away a certain amount, and he's not allowed to tell people what he's doing. Yeah? So it, it's a comedy. It has to be a comedy. Because there's one moment where he employs a security guard, and he says, I'll pay you $150,000 a week <laughs> just to walk around with me. Uh, and look on, and so the the film goes on like that. Um, this idea, and so, so he, he he really sets out to to um, I suppose to achieve that goal to spend thirty million dollars in thirty days, in which he will inherit three hundred million dollars. Although obviously it looks to people like he's wasting money because yeah? he's just spending money. It looks like he's wasting money, uh, but actually he understands something that they don't understand about the value of money and that if I can do this, I can gain so much more. And in some ways, this parable of the pearl is a bit like that. So we're going to look at it, um, and actually we're going to spend a bit of time at, at, the, at the front end of the parable looking at the kingdom of... Of heaven, Because that becomes the very thing that um, uh, Jesus is saying, look, the pearl is like the kingdom. It's like the kingdom. So, Matthew chapter 13, there's just a couple of verses. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Father, I ask for your uh, uh, help today. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you will guide my words, and you'll open our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. So Matthew uh, speaks a lot about the kingdom of heaven. That's, That's the phrase it uses, and it's partly because Matthew was a Jew, and he is writing specifically to Jews. So he uses that term, the kingdom of heaven. Mark and Luke use the term the kingdom of God, but to be honest, they're talking about the same thing and they're relating it to the same situations. Although the parables, many of the parables use that phrase at the beginning, the kingdom of heaven is like, actually that phrase, the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, is used throughout the Gospels. It's not just restricted to the parables. It's throughout the Gospels that Jesus particularly talks about the kingdom. So what then is the kingdom? Because if he's always talking about the kingdom, um, what is the kingdom that he's talking about? What is the thing that, you know, he tells of the the parable of the farmer who went out to sow seed. The kingdom of of heaven is like a farmer. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast. Uh, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure. Uh, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for, for pearls what is the kingdom that they are talking about you see the kingdom of heaven is revealing to us really the rule and the reign of God so if you like the kingdom of heaven already exists in heaven yeah? Jesus is in heaven and in heaven he's sitting on the throne and he is ruling and reigning over the universe. I mean the Bible says, um, it says of God that, he, that the heavens are his throne and the earth is his footstool. So you get this impression of someone sitting down, reigning, ruling, they are in charge. And so Jesus has always been in charge. But actually what happened when he came to earth was he brought something of the kingdom of heaven onto the earth. So there's something of a different way of functioning that we did not really know before that Jesus brings on to the earth. It's the kingdom in which Jesus reigns. Now when I think about that, I think about, okay, so what does it look like? Because Um, you could be, you know, uh, I don't know how... We all went to school. I was going to say, how many of us went to school? Well, hopefully all of us went to school at some point for some length of time. Um, You could go into one class, and you would have a particular teacher, yeah? And you know with that teacher, um, they can can keep a class quiet. They can teach them. Everyone does stuff. Pauline's always telling me about, gosh, some of the teachers, you know, they're just really good. The the, the kids will listen. Then you'll go into another class... (laughs) And the same 30 kids respond very differently. The same 30 kids. And I was one of those kids. We were all one of those kids. I was one of those kids, whereas in this class, I realized, hedge my bets, I ain't going to get anything out of this one. Yeah. I come to this class, and I find, oh, okay, if I, if I play up a bit here, nothing happens. Yeah? And so that's what you would do. I remember playing up in this class. I didn't play up in this class. Yeah. Sorry, I, I shouldn't do that, but I, that was just how it was. Um, But depending on who was in charge, depending on who was ruling, depending on who had authority, really made a difference to what happened. And that's the same with Jesus. What is it like when Jesus reigns? And so much of the Gospels is really trying to tell us, what's it like when Jesus reigns? What does the kingdom that Jesus rules over look like? Because it doesn't necessarily look like we think it looks. What does it look like? So here are just some characteristics. I just went through those first three chapters of the gospel, uh, uh, first three books of the New Testament, and looked at just characteristics of the kingdom. What does the kingdom look like? The kingdom of heaven that is talked about in Matthew, the kingdom of God, that is talked about in Mark and Luke, in short, the rule and the reign of Jesus. What does it look like? What, how is it different? I'm not going to make reference to the passages of Scripture, but you'll, you'll know them. You'll know some of this. One of the characteristics of this kingdom is you enter it like a child. Yeah? Not that you become childish, but you are childlike. Yeah? There's a kind of a childlikeness, a kind of an innocence, a naivety, a faith that comes to you if you're going to enter the kingdom of God. That alone humbles you. Yeah? So you have to come to the kingdom humbled. Yeah, that is how you enter the kingdom of God. You inherit it through persecution. So what you find with the kingdom of God is there is suffering comes with being in the kingdom. Yeah? I've realised I don't, I don't like... The idea of suffering. When Pauline was talking to me over this last week about some of the ch- people she'd been talking to and the challenging situations, I realized I don't really like, I'm not saying that you do like suffering, I know I don't like suffering. Yeah? I don't like suffering. And one of the, I had a little revelation on, on a passage in the book of Job right at the beginning where Job loses all his family, loses all his crops, he loses everything. His friends come and sit with him for seven days. It's the best thing they did when they didn't speak. They sat with him for seven days. And it says this they sat with him because they saw how great his suffering was. And Job was right in the purposes of God. Job was in the heart of the purposes of God, yet he, Job the man, suffered greatly. And I remember reading that, and I thought, oh. (laughs) You can't escape it. You can be in the centre of the purposes of God, and you can suffer. Yeah, Because the kingdom of God comes that way. That is part of how it comes. Then, uh, one of the other characteristics of the kingdom is you pray for it. Yeah? When Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he says, he teaches them to pray, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. As I said, it's already there. The kingdom of God is already there in heaven. The place where Jesus reigns and where he rules, it's already there. They already know it. The universe already knows it. The principalities of powers already know Jesus reigns. But for us, here on earth, we can sometimes think, does he reign? Who's who's, who's really in charge? There is something about us praying that the kingdom that is in heaven comes to earth. That's not just a a new modern phrase. That's what Jesus tells his disciples to pray. He then uh, says, you're given authority to proclaim the gospel of the kingdom to all nations. And you'll know that moment in the Bible where, where uh, Jesus says to the Apostle Peter, he says, you'll no longer be uh, Simon, you'll be Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church and I'll give you the keys to the kingdom. I'll give you the keys. That was about authority, that Peter would have authority to proclaim the gospel. And that authority has been passed on to us to be able to proclaim the gospel of the kingdom, the good news of the kingdom the fruit of the kingdom we read is comes in healing and deliverance and life and restoration and forgiveness this is the fruit of the kingdom that we've been given you sacrifice for the kingdom i've talked about suffering that's one thing there is sacrifice in the kingdom and in the bible it talks about the eunuchs who sacrifice for the who who, who become eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of god yeah, they give up the right to family. They give up the possibility of family. For the sake of the kingdom, they do it. But also, it talks about family. Jesus says, no one who gives up father and, or brother and sister and uh, mother and child for the sake of the kingdom will lose out. Now, that's a hard one for us. Think about that. No one who gives up father and brother and sister and Parents and children, it says, no one who gives that up for the sake of the kingdom will lose out. That's a hard thing for us. Oh, okay. But is it not possible to hold those things and inherit the kingdom? This is how you enter the kingdom you gain much more back. The kingdom has this now and not yet aspect to it. Jesus says on a number of occasions, the kingdom of God is near. He says, the kingdom of God is in your midst. He says, the kingdom of God, he says to one Pharisee, you are not far from the kingdom. Yeah, the kingdom of God is all around us, but it is also in the next age. It's also eternity. Yeah, there is something of its presence now, and there is something of its presence in the future. Yeah, we live in the age of the kingdom. We're part of the kingdom of God. Do we understand that and do we get that do we understand how do i fully embrace what it means to be in the kingdom on a number in a number of ways in those gospels it talks about the kingdom is difficult to enter if you are wealthy it's, it says it's difficult it's hard for somebody with wealth to enter the kingdom jesus says of the rich young ruler how hard it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God why is that why is it hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God or a rich person why why, why is it why does it say that well sometimes you do you know what I mean the the older you get and if you become successful or a measure of successful you, you you gain more stuff Did you know that? You just gain more. You don't need to do much. If you manage to get yourself a job and you stay in that job and you just go to work every day and all that kind of stuff and you're reasonable with your money, you'll gain stuff. Yeah? You'll suddenly find, oh, I've got a house and I've got a car and I've got this and I've got that. And so you have stuff... And this was the issue for the rich young ruler when he was was told, remember, he wanted the kingdom. He was like, I want to enter the kingdom. How do I enter the kingdom? Do I need to do all these laws and rules? And he'd done everything. And then Jesus said, oh, it's just one thing, just one thing. It's almost like he felt, I'm in, I'm in. He said, I've done this. And Jesus said, good, I've done this. Jesus said, I've done it all, I've done it all. And Jesus said, oh, just one thing. Sorry, sorry, just one thing. Go and sell everything you have. Give to the poor, and he's it's almost like he's ah, the one thing he's crushed, the one thing because he has everything. And it says, it doesn't say he's like, Oh, do you know what? I'm gonna do it. It says he goes away sad. He goes away sad. He's been given the opportunity to take the kingdom. He doesn't take the kingdom, but rather he walks away with his wealth. He holds on to his wealth. Pauline and I, one of the things that we were talking about last week, she she reminded me of the story of Elijah and and the widow. And if you think, when Elijah approaches a widow and he says to her, you know, uh, can you make me a cake of bread and stuff? And, and she says, look, I've only got enough to feed my son and me before we die. That's what she says to him. Yeah. And Elijah says, give, do that, but do one for me first. Imagine if the widow said, I, I don't think you heard me. I've only got enough for my son and me before we die. Yeah, and you can imagine if the widow decided, I'm not going to let go of what I have, what she said there is true. She would have fed her son and her, and she would have died. Yeah, like she said. But actually, the widow takes the very last thing she has, and she does what the prophet says, and she, she gives him. Yeah. If only the rich young ruler knew that story. No, if, if you give, yeah. As a result of giving, the widow, the widow lives. The son lives. When she held on to it, she would have died. But she didn't hold on to it. She gave it. So she lived. That's a key to the kingdom. Your ability to give. Your ability to open your hand. Not to hold on to what you have. Oh no, I think I'll just hold on to this. Okay, I do love God and I believe in him. But I also love the bank account. Yeah, because if things go wrong, I've got this. Yeah, I've got all, I've got this to help me. The building of the barns, I've got it, or to help me, or I've got the education. If this job doesn't work out, I've got the education. And Jesus said, No, no, give it, give it. Open up your hands. If you understand what the kingdom is, so he says, it's difficult. Now, if you don't have wealth, you you're not holding on to anything. If you don't have a house and a car and shares and all those things, if all you've got are the clothes that are on your back, when Jesus says, you know, give all you have, oh yeah, I'll give everything. Yeah? This isn't the only reason, but one of the reasons why the gospel is so successful in places, in places where there is real poverty is because of this. They don't have anything. There's no barrier to them receiving the gospel in the same way that Jesus says for those who are wealthy. And the truth is, we are all wealthy. Yeah. For us, receiving the kingdom is more difficult. That's what Jesus said. It's harder for the wealthy. And then this other aspect of the kingdom, which, which again is interesting, it says of John the Baptist, He is considered one of the greatest men born of women. So John the Baptist, Jesus says John the Baptist is one of the greatest human beings you could ever meet. He's up there. I don't know who we put that up, but when we think about that, we'll go Nelson Mandela, yeah? We'll go Mother Teresa, we'll go Martin Luther King, the greatest people you can imagine. And then he says... John the Baptist is one of the greatest people born of women, but he is less than the least in the kingdom. So that's telling us something about the status of people who are in the kingdom of God. Because John the Baptist is less than the least of them, though he is greater than most other people ever born. That's telling you something about those who inherit the kingdom of God. And I wanted just to just unpack that a little bit. I just wanted us to understand the kingdom of God is not like we imagine. Yes, it comes with suffering and persecution, but it also brings life and freedom and restoration. It creates big people. Yeah, It creates something in us which is not human. There is, a, there is a gospel to be proclaimed to the world. And yet so many people don't get it. And it, and it leads to this question, I think, do we understand the value of things? Now, one, at one level, that, the answer to that is easy. So if I had, I don't have. Surprise, surprise. Imagine if I had a five pound note. I don't even have that. Um, and imagine if I had a 50 pound note Yeah. and I said to you, uh, you can choose which one you want, yeah? Uh, probably all of you if, you, if once you'd worked out, oh, OK, it's not a trick, it's not a joke, all of, all of the stuff that we would go through, um, if I said, OK, you can come and get the 50 pound note, or you can come and get the five pound note, yeah? Or you don't even need to do it publicly. You can just let me know which one you want. Yeah? Because publicly, oh, I'll take the five pound. No. <laughs> you can come and take what, whatever you want. I would be very surprised, very surprised, if any of us went for the fiver over the 50 pound. Yeah. Let's be honest. I, I wouldn't. I would go for the 50 pound. Yeah? Because we understand the value of money. Yeah. We understand the value of money, so you, that's what you would do. But imagine then if the decision wasn't yours and it was, you know, it was a young child on your behalf, yeah? And over here we have a big, just imagine in your mind, there's a big box here wrapped in nice present paper. Big box, bit this big, it's wrapped in nice present paper and in it is something really nice, yeah? But it's only worth 20 quid, yeah? So you imagine this big box wrapped up all nicely, and then over here, you've got an envelope, yeah? So you've got a box that's worth 20 quid, and you've got an envelope, and inside the envelope is a cheque for 10,000 pounds, yeah? And you you have to send a child to choose, yeah, (laughs) on your behalf. And you're saying to the child, "Okay, do you know what? I know what you want to do, yeah? I know that that box looks really, really appealing to you. But I've just got to tell you, if you get that envelope, I can give you a million boxes. Yeah? So you're trying to do all of that. But we all know, yeah, unlike the £50 and the £5, where we all understand the value of money, some children will go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they'll go <laughs> for the box. Yeah? We know that will happen. And, and you will be like, in your heart, you'll be like, no. Yeah, because you can't do anything. Because if they come for the box, they come for the box. And they'll say, Here, 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 the box, the box. And you'll go, Yeah, the box. <laughs> yeah? Knowing that inside the box is something that's worth 20 quid. And over here was an envelope with 10,000 pounds. Yeah? Why is that? Because a child at that age, if you give them something big and shiny, and you give them an envelope, they don't understand the value of things. They don't understand. They don't get it. Now you might go, no, but I, I told you, they don't understand the value of things. That's just the way it is. There's actually a real danger that we, when it comes to the kingdom, can be like children. Not childlike. Not childlike which actually is a really positive thing, it's a faith thing, it's, a, it's an innocence thing, it's a, almost a naive, I'm just coming to God thing. But childish, we can be like, ah, oh, no, the big, it, but that's big and colourful and I can touch it. So why on earth would I go for that? So we've talked about the kingdom, but actually the kingdom... The kingdom is more like this. It doesn't look great. I mean, one of the parables is the kingdom is like a mustard seed. It begins very small. We've heard that the kingdom is inherited through persecution and suffering and sacrifice. Why would I go for that? Why Why would I do that? When I could have comfort and ease and plenty. And sometimes we make those decisions. Yeah? And it's and it's not us telling a child, it's the Holy Spirit maybe speaking to us or God speaking to us and we still go box. <laughs> we still go box. And God's like, No, 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 no. We'll go, Oh, but maybe I can get them. box. <laughs> Do we understand the value of things? How many of us are like the widow, holding on to what we have and not trusting God with it? I read this morning, interestingly enough, just completely separately, in one of my daily readings, it was a a Spurgeon reading. I read this morning. I can't remember the verse. It was a verse in the scripture, obviously. Um, (laughs) He shall choose... Our inheritance for us. Psalm 47 verse 4. He shall choose our inheritance for us. And this is what Spurgeon says about it. Um, He talks about a wiser mind than our own arranges our destiny. The ordaining of all things is with God. And then he says this. We are glad to have it so. We choose that God should choose for us. If we might have our own way, we would wish to let all things go in God's way. So he's being very positive about it. But the truth is, we don't always choose that God should choose for us. We choose that I should choose for me. Yeah, We choose that I I will choose for me. I might talk to God. Of course I want his opinion. But in reality, I will choose because I'd rather make my own mistakes. Yeah? Some of us do it just because we're independent. We'd rather make our own mistakes. So we go, okay, God, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, but I'd rather make my own mistakes. I'd rather just do it my way. Yeah, Imagine that. We choose that God should choose for us. I wonder if we could say that. I wonder if I could say that. God, I, I choose to let you choose. And so I'm going to allow you to decide things on my behalf. That, for me, is a challenging statement. But if we understood the value of things, that's actually an easy thing to do. If you understand the value of things, if you understand the kingdom, if you understand, oh, it's the kingdom that lasts forever, if you understand that when you build your bigger barns that they're going to be destroyed anyway. That it is possible, if when you understand it, it is possible to w- live in this life in a very, very practical way and be building stuff for the next life. It's possible to do that. But sometimes some of the things that we think we're building, they're going to they're be wiped out in this life. Do we understand the value of things? I mean, last week I know that uh, Peter spoke on... Uh, the hidden treasure, and I, I've heard really good things about it. It's really good. But one of the ways of looking at the, the contrast between the hidden treasure and the pearl is this. The hidden treasure could be stumbled upon by accident. You know, you're going along, you know people who discover Roman treasures, ancient coins. They're not looking for them, but they're just going along and they discover something, you're like, oh, my goodness, yeah? And, and then there are people, whereas, whereas in the one of the pearl, it's not accidental discovery. He's a merchant looking for pearls. Yeah. And if you go back to the parable, he's a merchant looking for pearls. And when he finds one, he sells everything to gain it. Why does he do that? Because he understands the value of things. The merchant who's looking for pearls, he understands the value of pearls. It's a bit like I could have a room full of paintings and then I discover the Mona Lisa. And I go, I'm not going to go, oh no, but then I'd only have one painting. And I've got a hundred paintings, I like my hundred paintings. No, I'll sell you to gain that, Yeah. if you understand the value of things. For us, that value, that understanding of the value of things comes through revelation of what the kingdom is like. Do we understand? Are we willing to give up that which we ordinarily would hold on to, that gives us ease and comfort? Are we willing to go through the suffering, the persecution, the difficulty in this life, Not just for the next life, because actually Jesus says, of of the person who gives up their family and their brother and their sister, Jesus says, not only will you be blessed in the next life, but you'll be blessed in this life. Do we understand the value of things? Like that merchant with the pearl. Are we searching? Some people do stumble upon the gospel, don't they? I've heard young people say they go to New Day and they go to New Day because there's football and there's other things going on. And at New Day, they stumble upon Jesus. They weren't expecting to find Jesus, but it's like, oh my goodness, look what's here. I'll give up that for this. Others, they search for truth. And when they find it, they recognise, oh my life, I will give that up. And it's almost like I feel we need to kind of get there. And it's it's just a gentle challenge for us. Are we there? Or are we still building comfort? Are we still more like a child where we go for the big glitzy thing rather than the thing that God has laid? Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It does come with some stuff. It's not always an easy thing to take hold of. But are we, you know, growing up so we see it? We see it. We're willing to go with it. The parable of the pearl. And we're just going gonna to close in a moment. We're gonna just going to close with a song. That parable of the pearl is just, uh, I think it's just fantastic. This idea that the kingdom of God is like a merchant. It's not the merchant, but the kingdom of God is like a merchant looking for something valuable. And because he's a merchant and he's looking, he understands what he's doing. When he finds that pearl, he's willing to, it says he sells everything in order to have it in contrast to the rich young ruler who's not prepared to give up everything. And there you have the contrast. The rich young ruler holds on to his money and his wealth, not realising that when he dies, it's all gone. And not only when he dies, it's all gone, but, but the moment you start holding on to it like that, selfishness rises within you. You'll, you'll know that. I felt that. I testified that a few weeks ago that as money went up, selfishness went up. Now, I'm not saying that happens to everyone. That, that was a very thing for me. I felt it. Money went up. Selfishness went up. I wanted to hold on to the money. What is it that you know you hold on to? What's the pearl? What's the thing that you're like, mm, the widow, the oil and the water, she's holding on to it, the flower... She wants to hold on to it. The rich young ruler wants to hold on to his stuff. What are you holding on to? What have you not allowed God to take from you? What have you not opened your hands to? Because the Bible also says he who tries to hold on to his life loses it. And he who lets go of his life gains it. It's a value of the kingdom that you would give, give up, give it out, let it go. And I imagine for every one of us, there's a pearl. There is something, whether it's money, whether it's food, whether it's reputation, whether it's, do you know what? I am just, I've just got it sorted. I know what to do. For all of us, there's something. And the challenge of this passage is when you see the kingdom, are you willing to give that up? And you give it up and he gives you back so much more. Let's stand together. I'm going to pray and we're going to worship. So I just want to ask you to just create this moment as I pray that... You might know right now what that is for you, and and if you do, I'm just going to encourage you just to put your hands out where you are. You don't just have to do it. But if you go, I know, I know for me, it's this. This is the thing I'm holding on to. Just encourage you to put your hands out if you know. And I'm I'm just going to pray for you. Father, I just want to pray. I want to thank you for just your grace and your goodness and your kindness. We've heard about that already today. And Lord, you speak about the kingdom. You speak about the place where Jesus reigns. And it's different to any other place. We enter it humbly like children. And when we're in it, we give stuff up. We don't take stuff on. And so, Father, I want to pray for every person here who is responding because they know they don't need convincing or persuading. They know what it is. Jesus, when you spoke to that rich young ruler, you knew. You knew what it was. And he knew what it was. Some of us know. And, Lord, I'm praying for those folk right now I pray we respond more like the widow who gave up the last of what she had. I pray we respond more like that than we do the rich young ruler who walked away sad because he had great wealth and he didn't realise that the kingdom was so much more valuable than his wealth. Lord, I pray you would help us. Lord, the only way we can give up something is to replace it with something of greater value. And so I pray, Father, that you would help us to see the greater value of the kingdom, the place where you dwell, Jesus, the place where you reign, that we would be prepared to give it up for the sake of that. Because when it comes to that, there's no contest, really. When you understand the value of things, there's no contest. So I pray Father that you would do that in us. In Jesus' name. Amen. You have just listened to a Beacon Church recording. If you would like more information about us, our vision, the team, or upcoming events, please visit our website, which is beacon-church.org. You can email us at office at or find us socially on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. You are welcome to share this recording as you wish, but please do not make any edits without express consent. Thank you.